0: This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson, bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis.
1: Leftists deliberately misrepresent their opponents' positions because their own arguments cannot win the public debate. Until recent years, the ability to understand and explain the arguments of an opponent was vital to the participation in the public debate. Without such an understanding, an advocate for a position said ridiculous things that prevent them from being taken seriously. Those who promote the positions collectively called woke are proud of their inability to understand their opponent's arguments. To them, this inability is a sign of their ideological purity. Unfortunately, the modern media agrees with the leftists. Therefore, they ignore their allies' irrational statements— In a public address, President Biden's Secretary of Education deliberately misrepresented his opponents' arguments. Yet, the media did not draw the nation's attention to those statements. Mr. Edward Benson did so in his article, Education Secretary Cardona is wrong about the causes of disrespect for the public school system.
0: Even though most Americans can speak of a special teacher who helped change their lives, few appear to have much respect for the teaching profession. U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona focused upon that topic during a 17-minute speech at the National Education Association, NEA, annual meeting on July 6, 2023. As a retired public school history teacher, I was interested in reading what the secretary said. After all, I spent almost half my life in the broken system that he leads. After a cheerleading session typical to such conclaves, Secretary Cardona reflected upon a special teacher that changed his life. Linda Ransom, a high school art teacher, first suggested becoming a teacher to him. Quote, Miss Ransom saw something in me that I did not even see. Unquote. The secretary then told the audience, You represent tens of millions of taps on the shoulder, just like the one I got from Miss Ransom. You change lives. Unquote. However, the secretary claims toxic disrespect threatens the teaching profession. Quote, you went from pandemic to persecution. Unquote. In his telling, The Disrespect has six sources. 1. Those willing to see teachers make less money than their peers in other professions. 2. Those who want to privatize education by establishing and promoting school choice programs. 3. Those who, quote, Attack the safety and belonging of LGBTQIA+ students and students of color, banning books and whitewashing our history. Unquote. Four, those who oppose affirmative action. Five, those who have gotten quote, millions in debt relief but throw a tantrum when we are trying to give teachers ten thousand dollars. And six. Those who, quote, would rather ban books than ban assault weapons, unquote. As the litany drew to a close, he said, I keep hearing about a teacher shortage issue. When are we going to talk about the national teacher respect issue? Unquote. Secretary Cardona, the issue is not teacher disrespect. It is system disrespect. And the system that Americans disrespect is the one that you lead. If the Secretary is so concerned about the teaching profession, let's discuss the reasons that Americans disrespect the education system. First, we disrespect a public school system that treats our faith and values as enemies. America's public schools once celebrated Christmas and Easter. Now these are shunted aside in favor of black history, Hispanic heritage, and pride months. Second, we disrespect a public school system that wastes our children's time with critical race theory while ignoring that too many of them cannot read, do long division, or understand the basics of civics. According to Education Next, more than 3,500 classrooms in the United States used 1619 project materials, even though they contain misstatements, faulty analysis, and outright fabrications about our nation's past. Third, we disrespect a public school system that includes pornography in school libraries. The American Library Association says that it opposes banning books. This is untrue. It is quite willing to ban books that promote ideas that it opposes. Fourth, we disrespect a public school system that sees students as draftees into the army of social justice warriors. Many states and local school districts promote so-called action civics, that purports to teach children about becoming involved in government, but funnels students into social actions that the left promotes. Fifth, we disrespect a public school system willing to force our daughters into restrooms and locker rooms with biological boys because one boy says that he wants to be a girl today. Numerous cases exist in which so-called gender-fluid or transsexual boys assaulted girls in school restrooms. Yet presumed leaders like Secretary Cardona insult parents who demand common-sense steps to end these attacks. Sixth, we disrespect a public school system that encourages children to hate the Western Christian civilization from which their school sprang. Education is one of the many beneficial effects of the church and the culture that arose from it. Yet, far too many teachers and administrators act as though part of their job is to vaccinate students from their own culture. Seventh, we disrespect a public school system that tells students of color that they cannot succeed because all white people oppress them. Modern society offers many examples of those, including a former president of the United States, who have seen great success despite their ethnic heritage. Yet many schools advocate ideas that further divide society into warring tribes. In so doing, they ensure that their students become angry revolutionaries, rather than contributing members of a vibrant culture where all can prosper. Eighth, we disrespect a public school system that lets students wear indecent and provocative clothing, yet is willing to expel students whose t-shirts express traditional Christian messages. According to the Catholic News Agency, Students in Missouri, Virginia, Arkansas, and Oregon were threatened by school administrators for refusing to change out of t-shirts that carried the morality-affirming message that virginity rocks. Yet, lewd and revealing clothing can be seen in many schools where administrators take no effective action. And ninth... Most of all, we disrespect a public school system that disrespects us to such an extent that it thinks they know more than we do about our children and their needs. In 1925, the Supreme Court said, quote, The child is not the mere creature of the state. Those who nurture him and direct his destiny have the right, coupled with the high duty, to recognize and prepare him for additional obligations, Yet modern schools are more than willing to place themselves between students and parents on any number of issues. It must be said that all of these conditions do not exist in all schools. However, enough of them exist in enough schools to create the education crisis we see today. Thus, Secretary Cardona is correct in that there exists disrespect, but not for the reasons that he told the NEA teachers. He tickled their ears with half-truths and outright lies that they wanted to hear. Many, perhaps most Americans, do not respect the public school system of those who promote these ugly and harmful ideas. As taxpayers and parents, we employ teachers to help prepare our children to become responsible, virtuous, and productive citizens of a great nation. We disrespect those who want our children to be good revolutionaries marching to
1: a progressive tune. Many misstatements about traditional ideas of American culture come from the supposed intellectuals. One of those highly educated figures is New York Times columnist David French. Mr. John Horvat discusses Mr. French's ideas in his essay. What David French gets wrong about the culture war.
0: There is a brand of nonsensical liberalism that celebrates the triumph of processes. Such liberals celebrate speech, but not what is said. They delight in choice, but not what is chosen. They affirm the act of worship, not who or what is the object of adoration. Under this perspective, The most absurd contradictions can coexist as long as everyone agrees to keep the peace and not harm one another. The greatest sin is to insist passionately on the truth of one's content to the exclusion of others. This regime tends to empty all content of meaning and purpose. Society becomes a meeting place of human desires, where individuals only seek the achievement of their gratification. People can do whatever they want, since all desires are equal before the law. This festival of absurdity was recently well expressed in an op-ed written by columnist David French. The piece is titled, How Christians and Drag Queens Are Defending the First Amendment. As a lawyer, Mr. French long fought for a place for Christian perspectives at the secular table. He supports the right of Christians to hold after-school Christian clubs using public school facilities. He also favors the same privileges for after-school Satan clubs or the now infamous drag queen story hours. Indeed, Anyone with access to public venues must be allowed to speak, regardless of the message, and even if opposed by a vast majority of concerned citizens. Some time ago, Mr. French got into a heated debate with conservative journalist Sora Bamari, who made him the unwilling founder of a philosophy he dubbed David Frenchism. It might be defined as this mania of choice Over what is chosen. It is the dogma of emptying out beliefs to the point that all might exist peacefully. Thus, Christians who promote God's law must be on the same legal footing as drag queens who oppose it. After school clubs honoring God must be treated equally with those that honor Satan. It is all a matter of choice and the implicit denial that there is a correct choice. In a society where the delivery of the message is defended over its content, there is no good or evil, right or wrong. There is only the act of delivery, in which the holder enjoys all rights while the opposition is suppressed. Parents cannot protect their children from evil influences because all influences are emptied of any moral meaning. Liberals who oppose God and his law have everything to gain by gaming this system that opens up a long-forbidden platform to target children. Christians have everything to lose by creating a suicidal atmosphere of relativism and confusion that invites Satan in and undermines the faith. Everyone expects liberals to support this skewed vision of empty beliefs since the process always tends leftward. However, the David Frenchist position is perplexing. He is one of the New York Times token conservatives. One would expect him to stand up for those defending God's truth in the fight for the culture. Instead, he blames the culture war for breaking the liberal peace. When one, quote, passionately supports a community or a cause, unquote, Mr. French says the natural human inclination is to want to protect or defend this position. And he claims this is wrong. He wants all views to be given a place at the table. The culture war happens because those who passionately believe in something strongly oppose the contrary. This ruins the game of emptiness. The culture war would end if everyone could passionately believe in nothing and let liberal society continue its slide to further decadence and nihilism. When Christians and drag queens agree to coexist peacefully, Mr. French says that both are, quote, protecting the First Amendment from the culture war, unquote. God and the devil can peacefully waltz together, affirming nothing, contradicting everything in a blasphemous attempt to save the status quo. The problem with a culture that passionately believes in nothing is that it produces similar individuals. As society decays, nothing people emerge who shirk responsibility, avoid work, and fail to develop character. A nothing man grants equal citizenship to every evil that prevents him from reaching his true, albeit rejected, end and purpose. This distorted metaphysics is what David French gets wrong. Things should function according to their nature and purpose, not their processes. Speech is important, but of little use unless directed to speaking the truth, Not babble. Worship is crucial when focused on its end to know, love, and serve the one true God. Choice is only excellent when turned to freedom from, not slavery to, unbridled passions. The crisis inside liberalism revolves around which belief system, something or nothing, will prevail. Conservatives reacting to liberalism's emptiness now see the answer in passionately believing in the few surviving Christian principles. Postmodern liberals claim only more belief in nothing will overcome the obstinacy of those who believe in something. It is a battle of certainties that touches on God. Liberalism is built upon a spirit of doubt that, rather than admitting the existence of God, turns his existence into a matter of personal opinion. That fiction no longer works in a world where human solutions increasingly fail. The culture war is happening because some people are rejecting key liberal premises and are returning to the ultimate something, which is God. They embrace the certainty that God exists whether liberals believe in him or not. That shift changes everything. God and Satan are not equal powers but eternal and unequal enemies. One rules over his creation including heaven, earth, humanity, and the universe. The other, the eternal loser, reigns over an empire of nothingness and chaos.
1: Perhaps the most obvious and dangerous example of leftist misrepresentation comes from those who presume to speak about science. Throughout the COVID crisis, so-called experts admonished us to follow the science as though they had solved all of its mysteries. Only by following their lead could the disease be conquered. All other opinions were rejected, This included the opinions of those whose scientific qualifications equaled, or even exceeded, those of the so-called experts. Unfortunately, this tendency lives on. Even as the COVID crisis diminishes, it predominates among those so-called scientists who claim to treat transgender patients. Mr. Benson considers their assumptions in his essay, Why Cancel the Scientists Who Follow the Science?
0: The LGBTQ lobby has held society hostage for the last few years with a new phobia. No, it is not the homophobia or transphobia labels cast upon its enemies. This phobia might be called factophobia. Factophobia's symptoms are easy to spot. It is a simple refusal to deal with facts, even when scientifically determined. Rational creatures use newly proven facts to reassess old and faulty assumptions. However, the LGBTQ plus lobby sees certain inconvenient facts as threatening its power. To give them up means abandoning the influence painstakingly built up over the last decade. That is intolerable. Before sharing the facts that the transgender absolutist fear... It makes sense to list the threatened tenets of their worldview. 1. Being transgender is another kind of normality. It does not indicate a mental disorder. 2. Transgender tendencies are biological and present at birth. 3. The transgender condition is permanent. 4. There is no treatment for being transgender, The only realistic reaction is acceptance. 5. Transitioning is a temporary process whereby sufferers adopt the characteristics of their true gender. Once the transitions are over, the patient's health and mental state improves. 6. Those who do not accept transgender people do so through fear and hatred. Without intending... Susanna Diaz and J. Michael Bailey are blowing all these beliefs out of the water. Their dynamite is a study published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior. As the title implies, this journal is very much in league with the sexual revolution. Its first issue was published in March 1971, which was still early enough to share the white-hot fervor of transformations then taking place. Its premier issue contained the article The Bisexual Identity of Transsexuals, Two Case Examples. While supportive of transsexuals, that early article pointed out an inherent contradiction. Quote, Unfortunately, for the adult transsexual, the balance of the two-sexed awareness cannot be tipped to a willingness to live as a man. Despite treatment aimed at making them more manly, adult transsexuals retain their wish to be female, and their secret knowledge that, after all the operations and female hormones, a male part remains untouched within. That 1971 statement would ignite controversy today. However, revolutionaries... Firmly anchored in their utopian future are seldom retrospective. There is little doubt that the transgender tyrants didn't expect what they found when they received their May 2023 issues and turned to Diaz and Bailey's Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria Parent Reports on 1,655 Possible Cases. Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria ROGD is a tricky topic among transgenders and their advocates. It applies to those who act according to their sex until adolescence or even later. The study's authors describe ROGD sufferers as having the first manifestations of a desire to act as the opposite sex between ages 11 to 21. As children... The boys dress and act as boys, and the girls dress and act as girls. Then, suddenly, they announce their new belief that they are of the opposite sex and proceed to operate under this new belief. The article states that the experts paint two hypotheses to explain ROGD. The first and more radical hypothesis is that ROGD does not really exist. Its adherents say that transgender tendencies are present in the child, but go unrecognized. This may be because the parents resist having transgender children. It may also be that society keeps these children in so-called sexual straitjackets, and provides no opportunity for them to express their presumably true genders. Only society's recent transformation of thought, belief, and acceptance allows them to live as transsexuals. The second hypothesis is that ROGD is an error in judgment. Adolescents today grow up in a society whose, quote, Common cultural beliefs, values, and preoccupations, unquote, are so skewed in favor of being transsexual that they mistakenly adopt these now fashionable characteristics. As these beliefs have become more common, there has been an epidemic of ROGD, especially among adolescent females. The study aimed to determine which hypothesis was more likely to be correct. The method was interesting and controversial. The study's authors used websites created and used by parents who suspect that their children have ROGD. One of the authors sent these parents a detailed survey asking them to relate their children's experiences. The authors received 1,774 responses. They excluded 6.7% of these because the children first manifested characteristics before age 11 or after age 21. In another article, one of the co-authors, Dr. Bailey, summarized the results that made the article controversial. Quote, First, we identified 1,655 cases of ROGD, a significant number for activists to ignore. Second, parents said these youth had a high proportion of pre-existing mental health problems, predating gender dysphoria by four years on average. Third, youth with a higher preponderance of emotional problems were especially likely to have socially or medically transitioned. Fourth, the best predictor of transition was consulting a gender specialist, and parents who did so tended to feel that they were pressured to transition their children. Finally, parents said that their children's general functioning deteriorated after they socially transitioned. Unquote. The authors admit that their findings are limited. The parent respondents might have biases themselves or might misreport events. Collecting online responses does not have the scientific credibility that a double-blind study has. However, the transsexual community was offended that the study was published in the first place. A short excerpt from an open letter with 100 signatories conveys the tone of this pseudo-intellectual criticism. Quote, Publishing work on LGBTQ issues that does not meet the highest standards of academic and ethical rigor has caused a severe deterioration of the reputation of archives of sexual behavior within LGBTQ research by granting scientific legitimacy to articles that do not meet the highest standards of academic and ethical integrity, archives of sexual behavior is not only undermining trust in science, but also playing a distorting role in ongoing legislative and judicial debates over gender-affirming care in many countries, including the United States. Unquote. The letter does not define the so-called highest standards of academic and ethical rigor, but it seems likely that the actual definition must agree with the activist's preconceptions. The signatories falsely claimed that the parents who freely filled out the surveys did not consent to the results being published. They further demanded that the study be retracted from the journal and that the editor responsible be fired. Several scholars signing the letters threatened to, quote, no longer submit, act as peer reviewers, or serve in an editorial capacity, unquote, until that editor is replaced. The journal retracted the study as demanded and is investigating the editor. It seems that only some kinds of science are acceptable. An unbiased reading of the study indicates that gender dysphoria often arises from events, not biology. Yet these advocates are highly invested in the idea that it is biological. Yet despite intensive study, no biological link has yet been found. Such statements are evidence of an agenda, not scientific facts. One has to ask why they are canceling the scientists who followed the science.
1: This concludes. Leftists deliberately misrepresent their opponent's position because of their own arguments cannot win the public debate. Thank you for listening. Return to order, of which this podcast is a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. We publish a new episode every week as Tuesday becomes Wednesday at midnight. You can hear our programs in two ways. The first is to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. Another is to go to our website, www.returntoorder.org, and click on the podcast link at the top of the page, which will take you to a list with the most recent podcast on top. Listeners can help Return to Order be more effective by giving us a five-star rating with their favorite podcast service. Subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will find the Return to Order moment online. We would also like to recommend Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order. It is available as a free download on our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2023 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.